spent too much time in California. Now I got that Rona. Gotta be a loner. Staring at my phone. Gotta be a loner. Gotta be a loner. It's, I think it's pretty unremarkable here. It's just hot, which it always is. Normal hot. So, there you go. Uh, so normally, when I was doing these a lot, I would have like a page of notes and stuff. But yeah. I don't have a page of notes for you. No, because okay. you were just talking for like two hours. Well, not only that. I mean, I could have prepared yesterday or something. But uh, I also just like... I don't know. I feel like we can just talk about whatever. The premise of the show was originally um, how the uh, like coronavirus didn't affect everybody, but being like quarantined or isolated. Can you hear me? Mm. Yeah, I was just turning it up. Oh, yeah. How being um, like isolated did affect everybody, and that's why it was called the alonavirus. But um, I've just got like that was five months ago. And now I'm just like, we don't really have to keep rehashing the same thing, but you're, so we'll just dive in here. Um, we'll just dive in. You're actually the first officially quarantined person that I'm talking to. Oh, official quarantine, like, like locked in sort of deal. Like real quarantine. Yeah. Not the stay at home stuff that, that we were doing before where it was like, oh, I'm quarantined, but I'm going to go sit outside right. at a bar and go yeah. for a walk that's kid stuff kid stuff no i'm doing hard time jordan yeah hard time so <laughs> i'll tell everyone all of my listeners i mean i've been getting into three triple digits here so that's good yeah so you are i'm talking to you in thailand or thailand as some of us thailand are. yeah thailand and so you're there you moved there because of work, yes, you work yourself and your family, but Correct. in order to be there, the government is forcing you to quarantine in a hotel for two weeks. Is that right? Correct. Um, on our own expense too, although my work's <laughs> paying for it, but um, okay. but still, I mean, further limiting who could come. I mean, this isn't, isn't cheap. Thailand, famously cheap, but I'm not in some backpacker with Leonardo DiCaprio tripping on some sort of drug that some dude gave him. If only, right? Sadly. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so that that is correct. Uh, the family and I uh, picked up. We left the coronavirus hot zone. We came to the country, I think... Of all the ones that are reporting trustworthy numbers, I think that's doing the best. Oh, um, really? The best in the world? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, what it's is either this or do this or Taiwan, and and I this is I don't think, I don't know one hundred percent true, but the point stands is that things are awfully good here. So there's only been one community spread case in Thailand uh, since or in the last one hundred days, just one. There have been cases daily, but it's been ties coming back into the country, occasionally a foreigner coming in, uh, and I'll tell you about the foreigners in a second, but there have been only 100 recorded cases. There's been a few suspect cases. There's been people like crossing the land borders from Laos and and Myanmar, but I guess they, they never tested positive eventually. 
Yeah, so, so, but people are all on edge here because, you know, the news from the neighboring countries like Indonesia, Singapore, um, Philippines is that, you know, they're getting like the mutant strain of the virus. Uh, or I think what, what, we're, what we suspect is that it's the, the European-American version of the virus, which I think we understand to be a bit more communicable than the original strain. Um, so, so that strain of the virus is working its way into the region, and I think the Thai authorities are petrified that if that gets in, it's just going to wreak havoc. So, um, yeah, so, so much to talk about the way that, you know, we've only been here for a little over a week and we haven't been outside the, the hotel, uh, but just that, that like day experience coming through the airport was, was just mind blowing. <laughs> Why? It was, what do you mean? Okay. So, well, right. So, so everything leading up to it, like Thailand's borders closed immediately. We'll start. We'll start from back. We'll start from the time of Christ. As oh yeah, and we March, should say March twenty twenty here. You're a very knowledgeable <laughs> person. You've been following the coronavirus because, yeah, that's what you do. Yeah, for the benefit of listeners, I'm. I'm. Yeah, I guess th- this. Uh, yeah, that's what I do. So I, I, I do security risk analysis. And traditionally, it's about like the really dangerous stuff like terrorism and, and armed conflict and violence and that sort of thing. Um, but the place I work for, uh, you know, so much of it was about staff travel and, and we're, you know, part of that, you know, the whole staff travel program fell into our remit too. And that just sort of ended, but it's dictated by the, um, the coronavirus. So we were like keeping track of the spread across the world pretty much from before it really was an issue in the US even so. Um, so yeah, um, this this move to Thailand, of course, for us had been in the works since like December last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we were like super excited to go all the way down to like, oh my God, we're never gonna go. And then, you know, identifying a, short, a small window in the summer that we're like, okay, we have to go now, otherwise we're not gonna go, so. Um, yeah, so let's see. Well, I guess I could start with how we, I don't know. Where should I start, Judy? Just I'm waking just up. Curious, this, is, like, this is coffee here. Yo, what time is it for you? It's 8.22. I should be pretty, or 8, 8.15, whatever. I should be pretty awake, but I'm not. <laughs> Neither am I, and it's uh, 6.15 <laughs> p.m. Okay. So, all right. Well, I guess I'll just, I'll, I'll prompt you then. So what, okay, so we're going to assume that the the virus that is there or has been there is like the Asian version. Right. Okay. And so they, let's start at day one. Like when people were starting to hear about the coronavirus um, and it was becoming news and we were people, we were sure that it was going to be like a pandemic or, you know, to that to that uh, extent, what did Thailand do? Yeah, yeah. so so I think that I've, it's popped up on international media a little bit. People are wondering like, what did Thailand do right? Uh, why, why is it not an issue there as it is elsewhere? Um, I think there's a really good single answer, but there's a, a lot, of, lot of good smaller anecdotes which, which probably explain it uh, pretty well. Um, so first, first of all, the, the Thailand was the very first country to register a case of coronavirus outside of China. Um, so the, the very first time that 
a case was reported um, and it was even like outside of like Wuhan too, I believe. There's a couple other provinces in China where it popped up, but pretty, pretty early on, there was someone in Thailand that tested positive. Immediately, I think uh, the Thai government and health authorities had been following it very closely, obviously concerned that stuff like that can spill into the country pretty easily. Immediately, they shut down airspace uh, and, and restricted travel uh, mm -hmm. from from Wuhan. I don't know if it was China altogether, but it was from Wuhan. I mean, there were direct flights from Bangkok to Wuhan. So they like, cut those off. Um, I think then what happened, and they didn't go crazy with the travel restriction just right away. What happened then is um, probably the result of several rounds of coronaviruses, viruses, viruses that have come through uh, Southeast Asia. So we were here in 2009 just traveling and it was on the heels of i believe it was the swine flu so you only go to thailand during during pandemics only during pandemics yes yes okay. it's uh great deals <laughs> okay uh <laughs> it was at, it was right after this was right after either swine flu or avian flu i can't remember i guess that that's a that's a good point is that uh this isn't their first coronio dio well, that's a that's an influenza, but sure. Yeah, well, that's it. So the there's several coronaviruses that have come through uh, uh, Thailand before. Health authorities are not like they they were pretty. This they weren't learning as they go. I mean, they were learning about this particular one and its effects as they go. But like the same sort of preventative measures that they enacted for for swine flu and avian flu applied for this as well. I mean, so like mm -hmm. hurtling hundreds of people through airports was, you know, they already had that plan in place. Um, mm -hmm. Contact tracing, they already had that in place. Um, obviously it needed to be expanded because this is way more serious than those, but still the, the basic infrastructure was there. So there's a bit of, so, so they got that first, first virus. It was definitely the strain that wasn't as communicable. They had the infrastructure in place to sort of, contain that initial wave um, and then they did some pretty pretty precise travel restrictions to Wuhan um, and then you know it, it, it just didn't spread and it didn't spread and it didn't spread and then when it got really bad in, in Italy, Iran, Italy, Germany um, you know they were just like well no Germans coming um, no one flying from Germany um, and then at a certain point, they, they realized that I think when the, the virus spread so widely, they were just like, okay, no foreigners, which is a really hard thing to do for Thailand because I think tourism makes up like something crazy between 20 and 35% of their GDP here. So that's like, right. that's pretty serious stuff. Um, but they only have to date. Let's, 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 let's get the Was there ever here. an outbreak? Like well, I'll pull up the numbers here. Go ahead. I'm just, you, like, was there ever a point where there was an actual like epidemic that they had to get out in like that they had to uh, react to, or was it all sort of proactive stuff? I think it was all proactive stuff. I mean, I don't, I don't know if there was like a, like a concentration of cases at all. Let me pull up the number. I mean, you're going to be shocked by the numbers. Um, I know. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, 
I, so I think caveat here, everyone, you know, most people are like, well, do they really have the capacity to, to account for all cases? Are they underreporting? Hmm. And even if they were underreporting and not counting every case, I think, you know, we would, we would know <laughs> if, if it was a really, really bad out of control problem and they just weren't reporting the cases. I mean, like that's happening in places like Yemen and like, um, Libya, where there's just no public health infrastructure, but people are dying, and, and the UN is like, uh, they're dying from the coronavirus, obviously. Right. Um, like you don't, so you don't like, need to test them, <laughs> you know, if they're yeah. yeah. No, but yeah, which is ridiculous. I mean, then, then you think about the way that the people in the US are like, well, these people had comorbidities, so they didn't actually die of the coronavirus. Well, that's, I, I do want to ask you about that at some point. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, okay. The latest numbers are from my trusty person that I follow here, which is the Bangkok Post. Uh, okay, total, since the pandemic began, 3,440 people have been infected. Now, like, a thousand of that uh, in the last three months has just been Thais returning to Thailand from elsewhere, from the Gulf, from Europe, from uh, East Asia. Okay. And then, um, let's see, 58 deaths total, Damn. five, eight. 58. Are, are statistics more impactful? Let me ask you this. Are statistics more mm-hmm. impactful when they're written on a, a Chipotle napkin? Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. That might get through to the LA demographic. I hear they're okay. a little wishy-washy on the masks. <laughs> but if you put it, if you and make them the wear a Chipotle mask, <laughs> if you make them wear a Chipotle napkin, it might, it might work. Yes. <laughs> okay. So do you think, okay, I know, I, I don't know anything really about Thailand as in association with the coronavirus. Like, but mm-hmm. when reading about China, they drew a hard line from day one and they kind of culturally, the people were sort of culturally prepared to, um, yeah. to change their behavior, you know, temporarily to, to combat the, the, the virus, right? The spread. Right. Do you think Thailand is more like that? I know the U.S. is just about the opposite of that. It's the opposite, right. Um, yeah, I, so I, I generally think, again, like, you know, if, if this were to like, well, hmm, I just had a thought about what would happen in the U.S. if this went away and then like two years from now we had another thing and then I was a little optimistic that maybe we'd get our act together, but then I was like, no, we wouldn't. <laughs> Because um, the point is, is that, again, these things have happened here before. I'm, I'm pretty sure, I bet, you know, I bet there would be, okay, so two things here. One, yes, there is some, like, deference to authority here that we don't have in the States, for better, for worse, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's um, authoritarianism is a thing here, even if it is a so-called democracy. So, like, Yes, there is this idea that you obey rules and you follow the rules and you do that. I think that's part of it. Um, but the other part of it, too, is that, like, again, I mean, Thailand has seen that if you do these, these and, and China and, and some, some other countries in the region, if you do, if you sort of go heavy handed at the beginning, you know, you're not stuck in a situation later on where you're living under, un, you know, prolonged restrictions. So, mm. I mean, Thais right now are able to travel around the country. In fact, there's like, the government has, has put up forward this crazy um, travel subsidy to, 
to promote domestic tourism where it's like you can get like these crazy luxurious hotel rooms on the beach for 50% off if you're a Thai national and like they're able to move about they can't do it suppose that doesn't won't apply to you no but there are some I mean I we do get some deals and we're actually already planning a trip to after our to reward ourselves for getting our asses over here um yeah so like so they're able to be out and about like i'm already scheduling meetings uh, face-to-face meetings in cafes people wear masks here apparently i wish i could my view is not of the street otherwise i would have more interesting observations um of the way people are moving about but but from what i've heard from people i've been contacting like we can you know go to a cafe go to a bar go to a restaurant um do you they're, have they're to like wear a limiting mask? um no okay don't certain places are like there's a sign that's like you have to wear a mask to come in here sort of deal um but walking on the streets no um most people do anyways um i mean i remember that from 2009 when we were here like it's it's just a thing it's already a thing. people do yeah. it's already a thing and like i was talking to jason in japan about this and it, you know there's this definite feeling of like if you're sick and you need to get out and about, you wear a mask to protect your neighbors. That's sort of, and again, a thing that you do. Whereas in, in America, you might as well, you know, try them for treason or something like that. Right. In America, if you feel sick, you, you there's this thing where you have to, you know, yeah. to me, the root of everything is this, in America is like this gross masculinity. It's like, oh, you've got to power through it, bro. Like, just go to work. <laughs> you can do it, man. Don't be a pussy, like people- man. People buying guns when the pandemic was spreading because you can, uh, you know, you might as well arm yourselves for the for the pandemic. You shoot well, the virus. You could shoot it, right? Yeah, you shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, great. So it's insane. Yeah. When you're out of there, you're free. In a way that you have. Yeah, it's so free, so free, so way more free than I would have been in in Washington D.C. before we left. Um, no, it, it's really mind-boggling. Like, um, I give I give fourteen days of my freedom in this hotel room to be way more free than I would have been in the states, even without like even with these sort of middling restrictions that we have in in these in most of the U.S. I mean, I'm sure there's places that you know you got some governor or, or mayor who's like, we don't need to do anything, and that's free. But I, I'm now free without really having any fear of actually getting the virus. So. Yeah. Uh, how, and so define it, free, right? Is, is it comes down to your definition. I mean, I have so many, so many political questions that I'm just like not asking right now, but um, not, not your politics, but just because I want to understand things better and how people mm-hmm. are trying to rationalize bullshit. We can but, take that uh, off. We can take that offline, Jordan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how, like, are you going crazy? Like you're saying you're sacrificing freedom for 14 days. Is it really that bad? Like, are you at your wits end? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, well, I'm ready to get out. Yeah. I know you're ready <laughs> I don't think to get I out, do, but like... I don't think I do well in jail. Yeah, I'm comfortable. The bed's pretty hard. Like, this sounds really trifling, and like, you know, if you're in a hotel room for four days, not a big deal, but like, the bed's super hard. The chair I'm in is really uncomfortable, and I have to work. <laughs> well, to be fair, it's not mine. Like, I have nowhere else to sit. <laughs> <laughs> is there a TV? So like, hey, we got we got TV. We've we've got we've got all like the great uh, Japanese variety shows of like the really silly stuff that goes on. In there. 
That sounds cool. Crazy. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Uh, and I get to watch the NBA playoffs too. They're on here, so that's fun. Um, no, the TV's good. Look, it's fine. There's obviously people that are in way, way worse off situations. Um, I mean, it's, it's tight quarters with my wife and, and, and two-year-old son, Emmett. So that's like, it's real. It's yeah. real. <laughs> oh, he? and then, yeah. Okay. So he, he's doing, he's doing fine. We were talking like there's different ages. This would be really difficult. So if he was like, you know, a newborn, he'd be up in the middle of the night. We wouldn't be sleeping. If he was a little bit older, he wouldn't really want to follow rules. He would be like, why, why, why? I don't want to do this. Um, if he was even older, he'd be locking himself in the other room and like yelling at us through the door to you know, say, fuck off, dad, or something like that. Oh, yeah. I hate you. you I hate you. Like can, you can you imagine doing this with a teenager? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so like yeah, there, there's each age would have its different little little quirks, but at two two and a half, he's he's, he's a champ right now. So nice. Again, could be worse, but how so right. Uh, One more before you dive further. How long is the flight? Okay, cool. Well, that'll transition into. I was going to mention about what our quarantine setup here is, but okay. yeah, going back. The flight. Why don't we go back a little further, Jordan? If we haven't lost all of your listeners by now, let's let's lose them. I feel like my <laughs> listeners, there may not be many of them, but they're sticking with it if they're here, you know? Let's lose them. Okay. So back on this track about what Thailand was doing to prevent foreigners from coming. That sounds simple on paper, but it's actually, it's it's not. There's so many different class of foreigners and, and like, I, I don't mean class and like the the socialism sense i mean classes and like visa type and, and just purpose of travel so like mm -hmm. um there's thailand famously has quite a few older white men who have families here uh they're they have like a family visa they're not considered ties so a lot of them who left were just not family able to come back. family ties family ties that's oh man see this is why i need more coffee in the morning jordan <laughs> Do you appreciate my 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 Zoom name? Oh uh, yeah, I was wondering about that. Tin Tin Quarantino. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know if I, you uh, typed that in or if that was from. I I, I I did come up with that this morning. Yeah. I'm pretty proud of myself. So, I digress. Okay. Uh, right. So there's all these different class foreigners, and and Thailand was basically limiting was saying no to all of them except for just very few um one of which at, at the very early stages it was only um people who like already had long-term work work permits uh in the country and uh, a certain class of teacher because the school year was going to start and they needed there's a lot of foreign teachers here so they needed to bring foreign teachers back in and then diplomats so it's like those three categories and i fall under the diplomatic category. So um, we were able to start, you know, applying to come here um, way early on. And like, they're still not letting in tourists. They're talking about tourist schemes come in, but tourists aren't, aren't allowed in. So you had to get several documents. Like, like this is crazy bureaucracy to try to even get here. You had to get what they call a, a, um, a certificate of entry, which basically means that you know, you're a legit diplomat with working 
privileges, et cetera, and you, you know, your organization wants you to come. So there's that. Uh, on that, you had to have a flight booked and you had to have a quarantine hotel booked. This is before they give you your visa. I didn't have a visa yet. Some people who are doing this already had their visa. Anyway, it's not gonna drown in the process. Um, so, so we had to get our hotel, get our flight. The flights we had to book through um, a designated travel agency. They're only repatriation flights. There's no regularly scheduled commercial flights coming into Thailand. So it was just this one travel agency, this Korean travel agency in Philadelphia. <laughs> wow. Um, that we were able to get our flights for. So you flew um, out of Philly? Then, no, no, I flew oh. out of DC. It was just, they were handling the ticketing and, and all that okay. stuff. So, okay. um, so we, yeah, we got flights, got our hotel lined up and then we had to like submit, oh, and then we had a proof of insurance. We had to have, et cetera, uh, like a million other documents. We had to send that in. Uh, I had to send it through my office to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs here in Thailand, as well as to the embassy in DC. And then, and then we had to apply for our visas, which was all of those documents plus more. Um, and the, the time was narrowing down. So we had, we had our flights booked, paid for. We had our hotel booked, paid for. We were shipping the dog over here too. And so we had all of his vet appointments set up and, and done. Dog. Yeah, Franklin is, is in Thailand right now, living the life actually, not in quarantine. Wow. Um, uh, so we, yeah, yeah. So, so we're coming, we're coming down to the wire. We're like a week before we leave. We still don't have our visas. We still don't have, uh, we have our plane ticket and all that, but we can't get into the country. We have to have our visa to ship our stuff. So we're like live not, we're out of our house, but all of our stuff's in storage and we still don't have our visa. So it's like, what do we do? I don't know, are we gonna miss our flight? Um, three days, two days, day before we leave, still don't have the visa. Um, so I like go, like calling the Thai embassy, not getting any response. Um, so I go over to the embassy and knock on the door and they're like, come back at 4.30, you might get it then. I was like, oh, might, great. <laughs> so I leave, come back, 4.30, we're set to leave at 11 o'clock the next day, next morning. So I come back and like there's, there's someone else there at the front door and I'm like, oh, great. So I stand behind him and the guy there is like, can I help him? Like, no one told me to it, come. No one called me to say that my visa's ready, but can you help me out? And the guy was like, what's your name? Was Malone and, he, you know, I'm sorry, Quarantino. And he said, uh, oh, yeah, here's your visa. <laughs> are, you, are you keying me? Are you keying me? Uh, yeah, and then so we got our visas, and then the next day off we went. And yeah, so how long was the flight? Korean Air from Dulles to Seoul, 13 and a half hours. And uh, 14 hours, I don't know, it doesn't matter after like 12. Um, and then our layover was really short, I think by design, they just got us off one plane and put us on the next um, to Bangkok, and that flight was like four, four and change. And were you the so, only people on the flight? No, it was full. Well, no, no, no. The flight from from Dulles to Seoul was probably half full. Because that was also a regularly scheduled flight. So they were shipping these, re, these Thai repatriation people on with normal air travel to, to Seoul. Mm. Um, well, no, normal air travel to Seoul. So that one was like, wasn't full. Um, 
<laughs> we looked around the cabin and most of the people on that flight were going on to Bangkok. So I would imagine if it wasn't for that repatriation flight, there'd be like five people on that plane. Yeah. But, uh, and then the flight from Seoul to Bangkok was full. Um, so, but, but that's just because there's only limited number of repatriation flights. So ties around the world are trying to get back in the country and there's just limited number of spots available. In fact, my boss, my boss who's Swedish, um, had, uh, a, there was a fellow Swede who I think was working for the UN who was set to come back to Thailand from Amsterdam. And he did, went through this whole process on his end, got to the airport and actually bumped him from the flight because there was a Thai government official who needed to get back to Thailand. <laughs> Ooh, yikes. That's like Jerry Simon so, showing up at the club. It's, uh, it's like the worst. I couldn't, if that had happened to me, I would probably be in jail right now. If not, not like hotel jail, like real jail. If that had happened to me at the airport, I would have lost my shit just because of all the time and money spent to, to actually get to that point was just insane. Right. So this the boss that was in Lebanon. No, new boss. He's new still boss. in Lebanon. Well, the reason yeah, his, I, yeah. we don't have to get into that, but, um, I was just, you know, the stereo app thing where I just talk hmm. to strangers all day. I just talked to this yeah. woman who is, uh, she was born in Kuwait, but she, she's Palestinian. And, um, hmm. she asked me if I knew about the, the bombing in Lebanon. And I was like, well, I think I know what you're talking oh, about. <laughs> the explosion. I was like, you that like terrible explosion. She was like, yeah, no, the Jews bombed it. And I was just like, I don't think we did. <laughs> <laughs> we, <clears throat> as the Jewry, <laughs> did not do it. Yeah. Oh, man. The conspiracy theories are predictably all over the place there. I mean, like, even my boss, who's, who's a Brit, was like, so many people talk about hearing planes beforehand. And like, yeah, that's what she was saying. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, there, you know, I was listening to this really great radio lab a few years ago where they were talking about perception and, and people like believing in conspiracy theories. And it's like, there's just so little that you can do in like a one to one conversation when that's it is very exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've been encountering them a lot. Yeah, especially with vaccine and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, I was talking to a lady who just like very arbitrary the thing that i don't get is like there's no consistency with it like they'll just arbitrarily draw a line somewhere they're like yeah it was like yeah i I don't believe in vaccines i'm not going to get the coronavirus vaccine she was like i got my i I got my daughter a polio vaccine but like i didn't want any of the new ones i was just like okay all right so that's yeah you're anti-polio but like you're for what measles i don't know yeah i'm all i'm all about that measles (laughs) but but jordan i've done my research Oh my, that's the most infuriating sentence. Or do <laughs> do your own research. Do your research. Wake up, people. Do your own research. <laughs> what do you say to people? And we'll, I want to get back to Thailand, but like I was just reading about, yeah. um, you know, I follow many different types of people on Instagram and stuff. And what just like people that refer to the coronavirus as like um, the disease that 98% of people survive. 
like that's that's their their um, the way that they just describe it. That's how they introduce it. I mean, it, it so it, so do you just ask? Do you just tell them? Do you ask them like, all right, should we just not have public health? Like, should we just not I know. care about care about? That? I mean, the whole idea with public health is that you're you're ensuring that that nothing that is preventable is going to kill you, like. It's just right. that simple. I mean, and, and it's science. So it's like, you're not, you're not going to be 100% effective. And the, 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 the crazy part about public health is that we have been 100% effective with several problems. Um, like, I don't know, off the top of my head, isn't like, isn't polio one of them? Like, haven't we basically been able Smallpox to- Smallpox is eradicated from the globe. Smallpox, that was it. Yeah. That was it. But like, so, so they say 98% of the whole world, like just the whole population, right? I mean, they're, that's the way that they characterize the virus. They're just like, well, why should we care about a disease that 98% of people survive? And I'm like, since when do you define an illness by the number of right. people that don't die from it? Like, right. how is that? So, yeah. So, so 98%, 2%, so that leaves 2% that die. 2% of the world's of the world's population is 140 million people. That would be that'd be the fifth largest, sixth largest country on earth yeah. that you're just saying, eh. Just get rid of it. Or a third of the United States. A lot of times these are like well-educated people too. Like this person that I'm thinking of that I just was looking at is like yeah. a person that's published science before. And he often mm -hmm. has decent ideas, but he's like very... I don't know his some of the stuff he says is pretty problematic and that well, don't you get this don't you get this problem with with people who are like really really sciencey and like really really into stats and then they just sort of lose that humanity part of their of i know what you mean i don't think that's what this guy is this guy is like kind of he thinks of himself as kind of a big shot and like i think he's more of a um like a personal freedoms guy like why should i give a shit like i'm not gonna die from it and that's yeah. totally the wrong perspective to have when it comes to something like this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, does he not even care about some of these long-term effects that we're starting to learn about? I mean, that's the other, that's, I actually like, I couldn't refrain. I had to comment on it and I was just like, you're like, that's the most short-sighted thing you could say. And you're like a smart dude who's like quoting right. science and like, you're just, you're, you're simply saying that this is the number of people that probably aren't going to die from it, but you're not talking about like morbidity at all. You're ignoring right. this stuff that like is yeah. potentially really serious. That's frustrating. I, yeah, I don't know. Like, how do you, can I imagine that? Could you, could you imagine like trying, like, what if you're also in his like team? Or like he's part of a public health team and like he's literally like just let him die well no i'll tell you who he is he's <laughs> the guy have you ever seen um it's a lot it's a it's a brand now it's called bulletproof they make like bulletproof coffee and stuff but yeah. it's the brand bulletproof like the orange yeah yeah um packaging so that dude dave asprey he's like he's generally a science-based dude but he's kind of like off on some stuff. Like he promotes. So like, it's like it's like it's like tech broy though a little bit, isn't totally it? Totally tech bro yeah. Yeah, see that's the problem. <laughs> he's um he's he claims that he's gonna be the first person to live 
Does he? I don't know oh, if he says live forever. Or maybe he says one hundred fifty, yeah. something like that. It's like these, like like these, like human futurist futurism sort of thing. And like I, I don't I know. Follow him because like he he promotes um, like grass fed meat and stuff like that. He's kind of anti vegan, which is a, a kind of a movement that I think I appreciate because sure. I mean I think I don't have anything against vegans, but I think there's like That's, like a flawed yeah, right. understanding of like nutrition there. Um, right. And yeah. uh, so he often has some insight about like meat and stuff like that and and eating. And health um from that perspective but like the coronavirus stuff that he's been talking has been bullshit yeah i mean no one's perfect judy <laughs> but i don't it's it's the inconsistency that fucking drives me crazy that's the right. one thing I about mean, fucking like libertarians that i i actually yeah. respect is that they're consistent yeah well in, in generally not the ones that are actually in office i mean Rand paul thinks he's a he's a who's a libertarian, but then like hates abortion. Well, I thought libertarian happened to abortion is that not, I don't, I don't know, but that's what I thought. Well, if you take liber, libertarian theory, I mean, it shouldn't be up to the government to decide what, what a woman decides about her body. Oh, um, fair. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But most libertarians in this country are, are bred of the cloth of fundamental religion. So like they want, they want to be libertarian so that they can practice their own religion. You know, they don't want the government to interfere with their, their religion. So, uh, I, I mean, all right, here's a question. I mean, that's, go on. Or do you want, did you want to further that point? I, I was going to say something. Yeah. You said oh. bulletproof and it reminded me of that song by LaRue. Remember that song? This I'm time, just, this yeah. time, oh, baby. That, yeah, yeah, I know that song. Bulletproof. By the way, the products, I like the idea of them, but they all have erythritol in them and I can't consume them at all. And I think it's- What's erythritol? Erythritol is a sugar alcohol and it gives me like the worst stomach pain ever, even a small amount of it. But I think most people can tolerate tolerate it. It's like, it's sweet. It's a sweetener. It's sweet. It's sweet, sweet, bro. Oh, I know what I was going to say. No one's perfect. I mean, like you look at some, like there, there's some interesting philosophy that went into like human rights and, and, um, you know, humanity, like, like basically pushing back against organized religion in Europe and, and the, and, you know, back in the time of Martin Luther and all that. And you like get into the, you get into like reading this one thing, like, man, this guy has so many good things to say. And then like you turn the page and he's like, Sex with twelve-year-olds is okay, and you're just like, "It's <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, wait a minute, <laughs> where did this come from?" And I feel like that's that's so that's still happening today. I mean, you look at characters like Elon Musk, right? Like, and then our friend Chris, who is you know, has got a shrine yes. to the dude in his yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. house, and like. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of potential to this this crazy madman's you know theories to the future of, of humanity, but like, Jesus fucking Christ, what a fucking weirdo! <laughs> and like, there's people that's so smart, he's fucking a moron, also. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's right. But what I don't understand is like, there's a lot of people like that. Like, where, where we grew up, around, in around Princeton, 
there's a lot of really smart people there who were super socially awkward, but they didn't like pretend that they had all the answers to like, like society and humanity. Well, most people know? don't. Most people don't. I feel That's like that was no, no one's perfect. So like maybe fucking... maybe you're giving the muscle milk guy a, or whatever bulletproof muscle guy, guy a, a red red. <laughs> I don't know. Well, like, why is he commenting on it? I feel like the first dude that I can think of is like Chomsky. He's a fucking like linguist. And then all of a sudden he's got opinions about everything. And people are like, oh, you're smart. We, like, yeah, you know everything. Uh, li- li- the whole history of, li- of ling- linguistics intertwined with sort of like, like class theory and, and Marxism is really interesting. It's not just him. There's a lot of other people yeah. who are linguists that went down that path. I mean, it, it makes sense. But like, why do we go? I mean, I, I kind of like Chomsky. He's fine. Like he, he's an interesting guy, but like, I don't want to ask him the secrets of life. I know. Once they started asking him about serious stuff, he lost me. Yeah. yeah ask a linguist about foreign policy in Syria. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a joke. It's over my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was, there was some, yeah. Anyways. Um, no, I think that, 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 people just need to be a little more have a little more humility like recognize what you don't know and and trust that that many people are not trying to deceive you like there isn't an 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 angry cabal of of people manipulating things behind the scenes like it's just not it's never that way it's just not it's just never that way (laughs) it's not possible it gives too much credit to these these people like oh the cia did it and like who kind of looked at at our intelligence agencies are covert operations like it they can't do that stuff <laughs> like literally can't do that stuff right they hire there are some things that they're right there are some things that they're quite good at and like might might be surprising but like like influencing like vast global conspiracies is, is really not something that they can do right it's, it's like way too much credit and too much organization yeah <clears throat> i i keep looking at like occam's razor i'm like what's more likely here you don't understand it or everybody on the planet organized together and like made this one tiny thing happen in your life. Like yeah. realistically, you just, yeah. like, just, just take that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. We're in a weird time right now. It's going to be fascinating, but I'm in Thailand. So that's, we could bring this back to Thailand if you want. Yeah. Should so, we? So yeah. public health time. Yeah. We're in Thailand and I think we should do maybe maybe a ten minute follow up once I'm able to walk down the street and I'll show you what what all's going on. But, oh, should um, I wait to put this out? Oh, do a little update and yeah, do just update. have it all together instead of doing multi multi part. I mean, it's whatever. Yeah, I don't, it could just be like a little a mini episode. Seven seven days later. Yeah. So so after this, we are we, we're trying to get our permanent housing set up. So after this, we're going into another hotel for three weeks. And then, um, and this is one you can go in and out of. Go in and out, go to the pool. I'm actually getting my haircut on Saturday, Friday. Looking forward to that. Um, yeah. So, so we're going there, and then three weeks in that hotel. Emma gets to swim in the swimming pool, and then I do have to work, I suppose. Um, but then hopefully by October 1st, get my permanent housing. uh, Is that nearby? Yeah, it's all in this sort of this area. There's a lot of expats in this area. I, you know, if we didn't have a kid and a dog, I think Brie and I would be a little more adventurous and try to live in um, 
you know, a little more up and coming area where there's, you know, not as many expats, but we need the amenities at the moment. So we're selling our souls. Sorry. Whatever. But there's this interesting, there's an area around here that's like very, there's a lot of Japanese expats. So like a lot of the apartment buildings are set up like Japanese style. They'll have like little unsends in the, in the basement. Nice. Um, like the little Japanese grocery stores along the streets. And uh, yeah, so I mean, that was, that was, we considered that for a little while, but um, most of those apartments are too small <laughs> to, uh, to yeah. fit the uh, stereotype. <laughs> yeah, you're a tall man. No, no, I mean, like, not really set up for a family with a pet sort of deal. It's mostly just like one bedroom apartments for it's like. It's okay. For, you can own being tall. You're tall. You're tall. I'm tall. I'm enormous. Do you remember when you told me I was enormous? No, but let's let's talk about that. Should <laughs> No, no, it's totally we were, fine. <laughs> we were we were it was it was at a party at, at Penn that we went to. I remember you telling me this story, but I don't remember I don't remember it happening. We we went to this party uh, it was sometime in college. Um, and we went to visit Ryan and Austin. I think we went to visit them, but uh, we ended up at this party and, and, you know, there was a lot of substances going around. And All right, um, well, when you say it like that, it sounds really bad. I imagine it was just <laughs> a lot of substances <laughs> going around. There was a lot of pot going around. I think it was just probably um, weed and alcohol, right? Nothing crazy. I think so. But the guy was smoking weed out of a light bulb. I had never seen that. Before. Right, I was not smoking weed out of a light bulb. <laughs> anybody was wondering. I've never done that. So this dude was, and he was like, so excited. It was like the most college thing ever. This guy was like, should we go my new bulb instead of a light bulb? And I was just, <laughs> okay. Anyways, uh, yeah, no, it was just, it was late night or whatever, and like we were sitting on the couch and you know, giggling or whatever, and he just looked at me and you're like, you're enormous. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And I, but but no, but I looked down. And I'm like, I think I was like sitting on a chair that was higher. You were on a couch, and like I was on a chair <laughs> okay, a little bit okay. higher. Because I because I looked down. And I was like, fucking huge. <laughs> Why am I so big? <laughs> that's good. And then we went to Wawa at like 3 a.m. And I think that's the night we slept in my car. Uh, on um. That must have been on uh, 48th Street. No, no, 40, 40th Street. 40th Street. Just remember the drive home the next morning. It was awful. Yeah, they always are. Anyways. I, I don't uh, think I ever really had a great time at like partying at Penn. I was always gung-ho, like, this is going to be awesome. And then it was just like a It's going to be different party. this time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like a bunch of... Because you're in West Philly, right? You think, oh, there's going to be these cool house parties and, you know, there's going to be all these interesting characters. And no, it's just. Um, they didn't even hang out with girls. I was just saying. Boston. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just frat dudes. Oh, man. I remember the one frat dude that, that launched himself into a beer pong table because he was pissed off at something once. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Frats. We friends. should do a whole episode on friends. We could bring Ryan on to, to be the, the point counterpoint. Well, what is there to talk about? Yeah, are they uh, they're 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 spreading the virus at this point? Are they are? Uh, oh, you just glitched Uh-oh. out. Are we you? No, I'm here. Yeah, what was that? I see you. I'm back. I'm yeah. back. Yeah. 
probably the Thai government making sure I'm not spreading propaganda. It could be our power went out for like a second today because of the heat. Oh, the overload. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, yeah. But American infrastructure, I'm a little suspect. So the internet here is like five times faster than I had at home for half the price. That's crazy. Yeah. And I was talking to my mom and dad and they're up in Northern Michigan at the moment. And they're like, our internet was out for two days. <laughs> I was like, oh, why? Just tech. It's like rural, rural, even an area that's just like not. Uh-oh, this is my, this is my headphones here. But yeah, it, it, it's just like, um, I mean, you would think, I don't know, rural broadband is still a huge issue in the States and you think we'd be able to figure it out by now. But as we've discussed, I feel like some of these larger issues are just so hard to do in the political climate thing. Well, we're, we're discovering a lot about our, our country this year and the people, yeah. the people that we live around and think we know. Um, I wanted to ask you, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but that the CDC uh, stat that came out like maybe two weeks ago now, about the, like the 6% oh. that people ran with, you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Oh Jesus. That really drove me and it, crazy. And it even popped up here too. I was reading some comments on this Twitter feed about the Thai government. and Someone was like, well, why are we doing all these restrictions to a disease that only kill or like 6% get or whatever. And it's, I know I, <laughs> how you explain these things to, to people like it, they clearly have a preconceived idea that this is all bullshit and they shouldn't be affected by it. Yeah, that's the so thing. that yeah. anything, anything that they can manipulate or, you know, you know, spin to prove their point, no matter how dumb it is, they're going to run with it because everyone's attention span is so small. So like, I, that's a perfect example. Like, it's not what they, they didn't say that six percent of the people died of coronavirus. The rest didn't. If you get right. into a car accident and you were in stage four cancer, you didn't die because of stage four cancer. You died because of a car accident. Like that's right. There are there are people that understand it a little bit better. They're saying, okay, only six percent of people that died of coronavirus died of it directly and the other 94% that died, died because they had something else going on, right. which I think is what the, the data says, but they interpret that incorrectly, in my opinion, right? Oh, go on, go on. Because, and this is what I found a lot of people doing, they'll take a little bit of like, they'll take a fact and they'll just yeah. draw the, like the opposite or the wrong conclusion from it. So they're, they right. think that because that 6% means that the virus is not deadly, right? Because it's unhealthy people that are dying. And the way I, like, so I think of HIV, right? No, nobody dies of HIV directly. Right. That's not how That's HIV right. works. It's right. like, that, that would number would be 0%, I think. Zero or yeah. like point whatever, I don't know. I've never heard of Can anybody. You die of, can't you die of AIDS? No. No. Isn't there a component to HIV that is lethal? I get, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I don't think so. So Probably the, not. the virus attacks the T cells and T cells are right. an important part of your immune system. And that creates an environment physiologically 
um, that allows for an opportunist, opportunistic infection, stuff that would never affect any of us with a decent immune system. Right. Like asthma typically home. doesn't kill people. We can control asthma. So if you're contributing asthma to someone who died with the coronavirus, you're like, well, we would have been able to prevent the death otherwise. Right, exactly. So like, the virus is, is doing a lot of damage and creating an environment right. physiologically that whether it doesn't matter what the like final blow is from, it's the virus that's creating that, that environment yeah. leading to the death. And people sure. are just like, well, no, you know, it's, uh, the person's obese, they have high blood pressure, whatever. It's like, no, that's fucking bullshit. Like they wouldn't yeah. have died if they didn't get this preventable virus. Right, right. I'm back on the, this audio, by the way, now. Um, you're right. I mean, I don't understand, I guess, what, what, what's motivating people to, to point that out. I, like, do, do we not teach logic in, <laughs> in school? <laughs> like, no, I don't know. I don't know. I, do we? I don't know. It's really, I don't know. And there's this whole thing of like being armchair and having, having, and this is what I get back to about the humility, right? Like, just stop trying to, to sound, to, to try to pretend like you, you know everything, right? Like, like, just understand that the people who are experts generally want to do that because they, they're coming from a good place. Like, public health officials want to stop people from dying. Yeah. It's just really weird that, like, people are making all these public health researchers out to be some sort of nasty people when like of all of the public servants, they're the ones that are like, we're, we're really just trying to stop people from dying. Right, they're, they're not making <laughs> a lot of money most of the time. No, no. I know, know that firsthand from, from um, Bree's work at the National Institutes of Health. I mean, it's that they, they, they're, they're often government funded labs and scientists are, are, among the least, the lowest compensated. That's why they have so many foreign scientists come because it's not competitive with U.S. markets for for lab research and that sort of thing. Right. And when I, I was, well, when I was in school for public health, there were, mm. you know, I talked to people all the time, and people were like, "Well, you know, I'm getting into this because like I want to have like a good job and like be financially stable." I was like, "You got into public health for for money?" For good job. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Are, what are you That's, doing? There's like two spots. Right. Right, too, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, so it's, again, like people, I don't know. I don't know, people feeling cocky or or it's this weird convergence of being cocky and skeptic that, like, I don't know why that's the prevailing sort of attitude of so many people. And it's that and, like, confirmation bias. Like, people already think what they think. And then you'll, they'll skew any, any bit of information that comes to, to fit that right. narrative. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, it, it'd be interesting to, to read on the topic, but I think when, when in times of, of tumult that like people are just afraid to be uncertain, like they're really searching for certainty. Um, so like, you know, the feeling of being uncertain and being really uncomfortable you know, really drives people toward finding answers and finding solutions. I mean, you could probably see that as being the foundation for a lot of formation of religion, right? Mm. But there are some tectonic things going on in the Mediterranean 2000 years ago, and there's a convergence of empires. There were ideas about 
democracy forming there were ideas about you know society like the whole the whole reign of the gods was was being challenged so like super uncertain yeah it drove people to to sort of you know make these try to define hard fast conclusions for things and it you know yeah build a narrative that, that works yeah yeah i just hope we don't get some crazy ass religion and 150 years from now that was born out of this this shit show that we're in right now <laughs> that's an interesting thought i mean do you think people are still coming up with religion I, i'm sure they are it's just not a widely probably different i mean thing. like there's always the people who say that like well sign you know scientific reason is just another religion and like mm, yeah. I don't know about that but if but if you if you say it in the way that like well the belief in science and the scientific method is a way to organize our our priorities and our our uh, that sort of thing I mean it, you know that that sticks a little bit but yeah but I don't know you know you look at the way that like American evangelicals have gone and how far they've drifted from like the the the, the sort of the original Christians that came to the U S and like that that's a long journey that they've been on in only 300 years. So like, what's another hundred years going <laughs> to look like for that? That's fair. That's something I'm pretty ignorant to. I don't even really know, but well, like, I'm sure you know, yeah, that's a whole nother podcast, I suppose. Don't need yeah. To um, wait, I just had a question though. Oh, Oh no. People. So we're talking about science. Like people are kind of weaponizing science though, at this point, like, cause you can yeah. realistically, you can find a study that supports almost almost any point, like a study, right? if not more. Right. So, like, people are anti-masks. You can find yeah. some evidence that yeah. says masks are bad, right? And then that's what people are going to turn to, and then it's like, oh, well, it's science. And it's, it's, it becomes such a frustrating argument. All right. I think the, the part of the science of science that most armchair commentators don't understand is the idea of replication and, and review. And, and I think also uh, um, reference, like studies that are referred yeah, yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one, another thing, another problem within the science community that has perpetuated this is the drive to publish. I don't know if this is true in like the, the hard sciences, like what, public health but oh, yeah. like in social sciences where I you know where I came out of the the drive to to publish stuff just leads you leads like these journals to accept ridiculous <laughs> studies that are easily refuted I mean like like literally months later there's some that come out and people are like well this was not true we weren't able to replicate this we ran this a different way and it basically invalidated this but that never really captures the same um, sort of the same curiosity among the public as the original, yeah, you know, publication. So, yeah, it, like it, there's there's a literacy and understanding scientific literature and scientific method that that most armchair folks don't don't really have. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's again like you know, America, like people are trying to grasp for truths and, and anything that sort of fits their, their, you know, their preconceived notion is they're going to run with it. Yeah. And also people don't understand that there is that, um, that pressure to publish, but yeah. there's also like nature 
is not going to just accept any fucking paper. Like there is actual like <laughs> reputable. Sure. Sure. Yeah. There's definitely better, better ones out there. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you should, you should publish something in nature about orbs. Oh, I should, should I? <laughs> about orbs or ask, or ask some of your, um, your, um, folks out there. <laughs> I don't even know. I public. I think I have two publications technically, but I don't even know what, like, I don't even follow it. I don't care. Oh yeah. I just like contributed yeah. the tiniest bit to it. Yeah. I did your check mark in grad school, right? <laughs> I don't even think I needed it, but yeah. No, no I mean, the, the friends I have that are, they're going through PhDs and going to academia, it just sounds, they sound so conflicted. Like they're clearly doing stuff they love, but like they're, they're like, you know, being pulled into like, what, like, what, like the one guy, he's public health. The guy who was in my, uh, who's actually my best man. Uh, I was just talking to him yesterday. Um, and he's doing postdoc at Drexel actually in public health. Hmm. Good problem. And he was like, he was saying, um, that the stuff they're working on is like absolutely nothing to do with the coronavirus or any sort of global health stuff. So he's like sitting in these meetings and like all of his, his fellow researchers are like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Why aren't we, why are we working on the coronavirus issue? Does this stuff that we're talking about even matter? Like, I don't know exactly what it is doing right now. Before this, he was doing stuff on uh, mood disorders related to the, the gender pay gap, which is pretty interesting. That is interesting. Um, um, yeah, he's sort of on like the social psychological side of epidemiology. Um, That's cool. But, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so but he's just like, I don't know. Uh, he's glad to at least have funded research for the time being, but like, just oh, no that's honestly why I got out of science is because like the, a lot of times interesting um, or promising stuff won't get funded because of like where your funding sources, like where the funding does come from. A lot of times, especially in biology, it's, it's pharmaceutical right. companies. And right. so your research has to use pharmaceuticals essentially for that, yeah. to, for that to work. And yeah. like a lot of stuff is just ignored because it, people know yeah. what, what's trendy. Right. what's going to look good I, I wonder is i don't know is, is it the sort of the same issue happening in in europe do they have like harder walls between sort of public funded research and, and what's coming out of what's being driven by i don't really know but i know that like private sector so many researchers go to switzerland switzerland's like the place and i'm not sure yeah. exactly why that is i know they have uh they must have crazy resources they've got that like uh don't they have like a cold fusion lab or something underground? But the, isn't that where the Hadron Collider is? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah they have some yeah. insane shit going on there. Where's the Hadron Collider? And I'm going to look this up. This is why we have little pocket computers here. I know that that's where they're trying to make cold fusion happen. It is. Let's see. Where are you located? CERN. Uh, da, 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 da. Is it? Yeah, so it's beneath the France-Switzerland border near Geneva. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so you see clusters. I mean, Princeton was it was a cluster for a while. I think it still is. There's a lot of research going on in Princeton. But but again, I mean, that's where Exxon Mobil, all these biotech firms, private you know, firms and pharmaceuticals are there too. I don't know. I, I don't. Well, that's I don't where know fish about it. fish the band, you know. Fish the band, yeah. 
So uh, Blues Travelers from Princeton. So there's that too. Um, right, a lot of a lot really, of important stuff coming out of there. Really, really important stuff coming out. Of there. <laughs> oh man. Well, what else? My sister, yeah. my sister bumped into literally bumped into John Popper back in the '90s. And um, do you remember? Did she get hurt? Uh, it was, she took up a lot. He's of like a, he's enormous, right? He's giant. He's like super tall. Well, and... no, he had the he got his stomach stapled. He's like a little oh, dude. Was now. that after? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but no, no, no. But this was back. Do you remember what was the the restaurant where you, you used to go down the steps? It was right in front of the Princeton Record Exchange. I was up on. Oh man, it's definitely not there anymore. I don't think I know. Anyways. But yeah, so she she bumped him. She also, do you know that John Stewart also used to bartend at the liquor store? Yeah, that was under or like near the Party um, City. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, so she used to sneak into that bar underage, and he would be bartending there. Really, that was the same time. Or I don't know if he was bartending or if he like came back there. Okay. My, my sister, my sister's eleven years older than me, so like. Right. It's it, yeah, it doesn't quite the same time, but like, there's a couple times he showed up there and at the bar down uh, near the, the the circle in Trenton. That was it called the McGuinn's or whatever, whatever it was before oh, McGuinn. Before oh, McGuinn's. Oh oh oh. Yeah, there was something else before then. He used to show up there too. As you would. You're John from Stewart there. from our town, Lawrenceville, New Jersey. Don't know if we made that clear. Remember how much Mr. Nickel used to talk about that? <laughs> well, uh, Mr. Nickel said that I reminded him of John Stewart. <laughs> so, and the reason he did, there was like <laughs> one very distinct reason. And that's because I submitted like a, a paper, like a three or five page paper. And in the stapled pages, I just put in this drawing of Mr. Nickel. So just while he was reading my paper, he just came across it. And then he, he just handed it back to me and he was just like, you remind me of John Stewart. Jordan, this is destiny. Didn't we know, know. that Mr. Nickel is some sort of sage. He knew he can spot talent at the age of 16. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Even though by the time John Stewart was my age, he was already definitely on MTV, probably in movies and stuff. Oh, by now. Oh, yeah. What was John Stewart doing when he was 35, 36? I don't know. He was probably in uh, he was a comedian. Movies. movies. Definitely a comedian. MTV. Friends with, you know, Pauly Shore, for sure. <laughs> but you're, you're friends with Pauly Shore. I'm not friends with him. He moved to Las Vegas. Oh, you should follow. No. Go find his gym. I used to see him at the gym. Yes, for anyone still listening, which is nobody. <laughs> no, no one. There's no one listening at this point. I used to see Polly Shore at the gym every day. And then one time it was just me and him in the steam room. And I talked to him and I shouldn't have talked to him. Oh, it didn't go well. No, nah, it was just the wrong time to say something. And then one time. Steam rooms are not generally the best time to. Especially to because I was, I was naked except for a towel and he was fully clothed, including a hat and sneakers. That's so bizarre. <laughs> but I love Polly Shore. Let me just, let me put this out there. I love Polly Shore. He's great. That's why I wanted to fucking talk to him. I was just like, what's up, man? I, I'm a big fan. 
And he did this a lot. He was like, yeah, yeah. And then one time I was like walking out of the gym and you have to get your, um, this little like thing validated for parking, a little like ticket. Yeah. And I was trying to get to it, but he was just like there and he had a fan, a neon fanny pack and all his goods were just spread out on the counter and I couldn't access the validate. <laughs> I was like, uh, and he was like, Oh, sorry, man. I'm just <laughs> All right. Uh, in 1997, John Stewart was chosen as the host and interviewer for George Carlin's 10th HBO special, 40 Years of Comedy. Yeah, Jesus. He's working with George Carlin at this age. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. So he was, he was 35 in 1997. That's crazy. And then in 1999, he took over the, the Daily Show. All right, so when I got Craig four years. I have four years to go. I'm not even trying so to get gotta, So what, just, just get Trevor Noah on the horn and be like, it's destiny. Mr. Nichols said so. I got I to gotta take over when, you, when you're done. Trev, you're out, man. Sorry. Trev. Sorry, dude. <laughs> Trev, bro. Trev, bro. <laughs> I don't even know if I – I mean, I, I obviously would take that job, but that's not like my dream job. Right. Seems like a ton of work. Yeah. That's a, it's a crazy, crazy work. What's life. your dream job? Like, if you could have any job in the world, what would it be? Well, money wouldn't have to be an issue. No. Uh, uh, I'd probably want, I'd probably do, I'd probably farm. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Like, what yeah, kind of on a kick ass piece of property that overlooked the ocean somewhere. Do farms exist overlooking the ocean? They got soil for that? Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, would you be farming? They, 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 they do. Got, they got soil for that? They got, they got soil for that. Uh, what would I be farming? Good question. Whatever I damn well like please. a vineyard. But okay. Ooh, that actually does sound. If you get drunk off of whatever you farm. Uh, yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, the vineyards, you got the nice climate. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not too humid, not too hot. Just right. Actually, that's good. Good call. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do a vineyard. Oh, sure, seems no like problem. a pretty, seems like a pretty douchey community though. I don't know. Probably I don't know. You got be. Maynard James Keenan now of Tool. He's a vineyard man. <laughs> oh, celebrity. Noma though. Another good thing. Wine. Let's see, celebrities that have wine. Oh, um, Drew Barrymore, doesn't she? Or does she just, maybe she's just a spokesperson for one, I don't know. Frank, does Frank, well, there's there's Coppola, of course, but like, didn't Frank Zappa have a wine? Really? I don't know. Let's see, celebrities with wines. Sam Neill, Dave Matthews owns it's a winery in Virginia. Ah, you're in good company there. Uh, but, uh, oh, here's a list. Wikipedia, man. I don't. Right, Dan I'm, Aykroyd. Dan well, Aykroyd has one in Canada. I was going to say Dan Aykroyd, but I thought he was just vodka. Wait, a, a vineyard in Canada? What the fuck? Not even like, not even like out west where they might be able to do it. It's in Niagara. That makes no like sense. Like outside of Toronto. Antonio Banderas. That's pretty on brand. 
for him. Yeah. Like he should have a he should have a vineyard. Drew Barrymore, good call. Okay. Uh, is Maynard even on that list? He's like got a successful vineyard. This is not listed in any particular order here. I'm just going for the big name. I don't know. I don't know. Ninety percent of these people are. Uh, E40. Shut up. Do you know who E40 is? Is it a rapper? Yeah. Like like back when you know there was that era of West Coast rap that it was like pretty silly, silly. And yeah, like, like Digital Underground? No, a little after that. Like the next wave of like, I mean, it was still sort of like part of the East Coast, West Coast gangster rap stuff, but like the West Coast rap was like like early Snoop Dogg. Like like that yeah, stuff yeah. was pretty pretty silly. This guy was like the epitome of that. He had the, the song called familiar. Hurricane. He goes, Hurricane, but you can call me Slurricane. Hurricane, strong enough to start an engine, man. <laughs> All right, wait, why don't, I'm going to play a clip of Hurricane right now. Yeah. Yeah. Look it up. Hurricane E40. Yeah. And just this, this guy has a winery. Perfect. Uh, Emilio Estevez. Got that Merlot flow. Merlot flow. Wayne Gretzky. Oh, Maynard James. Maynard Bad. James Keenan. Yeah. Perfect. Arizona. Yeah, he's a Sonoma guy. Lil, Lil John has a winery. Lil John. Where's his? Uh, Paso Robles. Okay. I don't know what that is. Sounds like California. It is. Madonna, of course. Joe Montana. Jim. Graham Norton? I'm trying to get your mumbles. Yeah, Graham Norton. Yeah, he's got one. I, but I he's like Irish. Jim so where the hell? I mean, there's all these different names. Greg Norman, Arnold Palmer, those are golfers. No, Best Arnold Parker. Palmer, he's already locked into a drink. He can't do wine. <laughs> Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. I'm sure they're really hands-on with that one. Wow, they're, they're, uh, they still have a wine baby together? Yep. Wait, who? I'm so bad with celebrities. Who's Alex Spanos? No clue. Okay. Jesse Spano, I know. <laughs> Sounds Yao great. Ming. Yao, Yao Ming has one. Hell yeah. That's all you need. <laughs> that's great. That's it. that's it. So Jordan, that's that's who I aspire. I'm just gonna hang out with Yao Ming. Alright, I got a few questions you e- for you. You gonna play E forty, Hurricane? I'm gonna play E forty on this podcast, yeah. It's already we already we played it already. Oh you did? Yeah. I didn't hear it. No, because I'm putting it in I get it. I get it now. Okay. <laughs> um, All right. Two questions. Did I say two? I said a couple. I guess that's two. Okay. This is something I was talking to somebody about uh, on stereo earlier, and Yao Ming made me think of it. Who, what celebrities, this is not a coronavirus related question, but Good. what celebrities are like undeniable? Like if, you, if they're walking down the street, there's no question that it's them. And I said, so I said Shaq and I said Conan O'Brien. <laughs> like there's just nobody else that it could be. Um, that, that's good. Shaq for sure. I mean, he's just so, so big, 
So Conan O'Brien. And this is definitely in the context of the U.S., right? I, I don't know. I guess. Well, I, Conan O'Brien, a six-foot-six lanky redhead would, of course, stand he's, out just he's, about everywhere. Yeah, he's recognized <laughs> everywhere. Um, what about... What am I thinking of? I think Boy George would probably pop out. <laughs> okay, all right. I mean, there's no, you know, if you're walking down the street, it's not like, you wouldn't be like, is that Boy George? You'd be like, that's fucking Boy George. <laughs> You'd be like, by George, that's Boy by George. By George, that's Boy George. Uh, <laughs> okay, and all right. If they were naked. So there's one thing. So like Boy George is all about the clothes and like the, you know, the whole, whole get up. But like, naked. I or mean, if they I, were in like a t-shirt and jeans. Okay. Sort of deal. I mean, still Shaq and, and Conan for sure. For sure. Um, for sure. Here's a, here's a follow up piece of that question. What about a, a, like women? Because I th- feel like height is such a big part of it because sure. super tall yeah. people can just stand out anywhere. But like, is there a woman like a celebrity that you just like, you could see from a hundred yards away and you're like, oh, that's, that's that person. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard because like physical presence is going to be, is, is a big part of that, right? Right. Like I could be the most famous person ever, but at my height, I feel like I'll blend into any crowd. Like Serena Williams. That's actually no- what I was thinking of, yeah. Yeah, there'd be no, and there'd be no missing her. Um, I said Bjork, but that's again clothing. Yeah, that clothing, and that'd probably be a deep cut. My mom would have no idea who Bjork was. That's fair. Is, um, yeah, Serena Williams. I thought your mom was cool. Like, what was that? I thought your mom was cool. <laughs> She's not into the. The sort of Icelandic, uh, you know, sort of indie pop of the of the nineties and two thousands. Okay, okay. She's more of a Norwegian indie pop type. So, I, I just watched uh, Eurovision Song Contest mm. Fire Saga. Good one. It's really, really dumb, funny, hilarious, enjoyable. Chris Brosnan is great. <laughs> so random. Yeah, that's a good, good film. Good film. It was, it was definitely, it was definitely worthwhile. It's yeah. definitely not a good movie, but it was totally worthwhile. <laughs> that's real. The Eurovision Song Contest is a real thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, we, uh, <clears throat> we'll tune in every once in a while. Yeah. But did you see? Here's, here's another thing you should look up. And to the to the negative one listener that you still have. Mm-hmm. I would say look up Iceland's entry to the 2020 Eurovision contest. Okay. Real one, not not Fire Saga, the real one. Um, it didn't happen this year because of um, the pandemic. But it's excellent. Oh, this is we don't we don't do this sign anymore. We did we do this? You did do it. I did do it. Yeah. I'm not a white supremacist, I promise. No. So I think that it's more of the chef kiss. I like that one better. Oh, this this is what we're going with now. Hmm. Yeah, instead of instead of the the AOK one, we're gonna be. Mm. I saw a uh, meme today that was how do Italians 
drive and it was just people doing this on the steering it's wheel this, it's this it's this <laughs> i'll tell you what i learned what i learned traveling throughout the middle east is that it's not just italians it's for whatever reason edit any anyone from the mediterranean <laughs> okay yeah anyone so like egypt they're all like that's so like, funny wow. maybe it just you know, you probably trace it back to like, I don't know, like the Phoenicians or something across the Mediterranean. They were probably, you know, like offloading their cedar and were just like giving, <laughs> me, my, giving me my money. How about, have you seen this one? Where, in, you know how we do this, like in the US, like, yo, come here, come here, dude. This, this thing? I hate this thing. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah. So when I was in Malawi, uh, this this meant come here but of course like when the white people sees the baby they want to wave to them and a lot of the waves aren't you know they're not going like sometimes they'll go like this to the baby but sometimes they'll go like this so i remember there was like this little kid in the village and there's this you know someone from our group was waving like this and the kid was like and i just started walking toward them like what do you want from me <laughs> <laughs> There's that, there's this. I never understood, what is it? In the UK, this is the same as, as the middle finger? Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, but, but not elsewhere. Is Wait, it in Europe, they, too? How many fingers do they have in the UK? Well, uh, that's true. They might only have two. Oh, I thought maybe they had seven, and so those were both in the middle. <laughs> or six. That's what? not something I would have right now. Uh, You're gonna look up yes. how many fingers do British people have? Okay. <laughs> <Adults>. <laughs> sound effects of new fingers. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> this is so dumb. <laughs> the okay. The top result was how do Brits count on fingers, and then it's like, and then and then someone goes into the difference in Scotland and Wales. <laughs> Uh, well, all right. So since we're getting silly here, yeah. there's a game I've been playing the past couple of days. Go on. That is try to come up with the name that you think is a metal band, but you've never heard of it before. But like, try to say like, okay. So the the one that got me to make up the game was someone was talking about Birds of Prey, and I was like, Birds of Prey is definitely a metal band. And then we looked it up. It's 100% a metal band. 100% a metal band. So just come up with something and you can't cheat. You can't know the band, but just like some, so another one that I got right yesterday was I just went with carotid. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. This is, oh, this is, and I will, this is one a more, fun game. One more thing. Yeah. I tried to play with Deanie earlier and yeah. I said, I explained the game to her and she was like, okay. And I'm sorry, Dini, you'll probably be the only person that gets this far in the episode. No, Poison would have been a fine answer. Adequate. She probably <laughs> doesn't know the band Poison. That's fine. Her first response was, I was like, okay, come up with the name of a metal band. She goes, okay, Raw Onion. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is a fantastic name for, for a band. But it belongs in like Spinal Tap, though. <laughs> It was not right. I'm sorry, dude. I had to. There's no raw onion. No, I'm gonna start a metal band. I, think I was like, yeah, you got to start one if you want this. He, there's like this is a hard game 
to play like do you ever have you ever gotten your hands on or seen some of those like i don't know like dayton ohio garage metal band fest and there's like 30 bands on there with just like their names and like literally the most ridiculous names that you That's could why possibly it's, it's come a pretty up with. easy game like oh cool yeah Goose pussy is playing this. this movie. <laughs> yeah, like aborted fetus. Like, I'm pretty sure oh, yeah. the name is definitely the name of a metal band. Oh, another one I came up with today, which I was right. I'm actually pretty good at this game. Knife play. No, for sure. Is it? Oh yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah, you're pretty good at this. This is something that I, for whatever reason. I'm not going to be able to come up with something until. All right. Well, here are the cheats. When I'm like doing the dishes, or just something. throw the word black in there. Um, it's true. With devil. Something sharp. Yeah. A body part is usually pretty good, especially cool sounding ones. Cloak and dagger. Okay. Should we look, look it up? up? I mean, yeah. It's definitely. What if it's like a K-pop band? Then it doesn't count. It's got to be at least hard rock. Musical group. Excellent. What's the punk. genre? Punk? It's punk. And I mean, that's like sort of Cook and Dagger. Let's learn about them. I have to go yeah. on their Facebook page. I'm going to guess they're from, uh, they might be from Omaha. <laughs> Shit, it's in Thai. How do I change this? Oh. You're he, so you're already totally converted. No, I don't have a I don't have a Facebook account, so I'm just on the uh, whatever comes up free. Oh, you're on Cloak and Dagger's Facebook. I see. Oh, music. They don't have a wiki. They're not that big. No. Oh, they have Bandcamp. Metal Archives, Cloak and Dagger, country of origin, Sweden. Oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I feel like I feel like a good 30, 35 to forty percent of metal bands are from Scandinavia. Yeah, yep. That's a good point. Their 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 uh, their their songs titles are a little unforgettable. Nothing too. Nothing stands out. Like there's a. I remember going through some bands' song list, and I remember one of them was like ripping entrails from a dead yeah. woman's body or something like that. Like it oh, just yeah. like that. I think that isn't that called like like gore metal or something like that i don't know sure here's a fun fact npr's uh npr music their their correspondent who who did metal uh lived next door to us in uh, our first place in dc super oh. nice guy it will not come as a surprise but his name was lars hell yeah <laughs> did he have an accent at he all? couldn't he couldn't he really couldn't have any other name right like he had, he had to have been named Lars. Right. But did he, was, <laughs> was he foreign or did he have an accent? Was he German or something? Uh, no, he's, he was American, but he was like my height. Uh, he had like bleach, he had blonde, super blonde hair um, down bleach. to his shoulders. Okay. No, I think it was natural. Wow. Uh, down to his shoulders. So very pale. Not, not like albino pale, but like. So he might've been Scandinavian. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but but he had he had American accent though. Yeah. So maybe I don't know. Oh, this Lars. I'm sure everybody. We can Google him. Anybody listening yeah. right now can Google him. We can find Lars Gottrick. Sounds German. Yeah. Lars Gottrick. 
Here, look I'm at trying this. to think of my metal band. Okay, you sh show look, me. Look at look at look at Lars. This is the dude. Super super nice guy. Oh, he's adorable. Yeah. Yeah, he and his girlfriend live next door. That's nice. That's uh, a cool job to have. Yeah, it was NPR Music, folks. I'm pretty sure they got paid terribly. Um, but Bob Boylan? It's a, Bob Boylan, my boy. All right, I just thought of a name. Of a, I'm going to go with this name. This seems like something that would exist, but I definitely have not heard of a band called this. But I just realized it's pretty obvious. So I'm going to go with Decapitator. Decapitator. Interesting. What's it called when uh, you? What's that? What's that uh, grammatical function? When you put an er at the end of it, you make it a a, a job or an occupation. Uh, I don't know. I feel I, like I would assume that, I feel like that's a, that's an avenue of of band names that hasn't been exploited very much. Yeah, perhaps. Um, I feel like metal bands, there are some. Slayer. Slayer. <laughs> One who slays. One who slays. <laughs> uh, Can I get a read on Decapitator? I'll look it up. Yeah. I'll, uh, yeah. Yeah. Arc metal, metal, metal band. Metal band. Yeah. Right. Started as a jam band during mid 2005, mid year Hellfest. Oh, oh it's yeah, Filipino. They, is it Filipino? I don't know. They got a song called Stain of Shame, which rules. <laughs> they might, hold on. They might, might be Filipino. Yes, they're from the Philippines. I'm sure it's good. Fantastic. Decapitator rule. Oh, yeah. Do you want to do another round? Yeah, let's do another round. Let me let me let me point out again to the now the negative two people that are listening. Mm -hmm. Thailand has an incredible like scene for like early metal, classic rock um, cover bands. So like okay. we remember when we were here in two thousand nine, we went into this bar. And there was an ACDC cover band playing and they were like perfect. Mm. <laughs> and and yeah, I believe that. I believe that. And it was like it was it was it was a really bizarre. I just didn't know what to expect. We just walked in and it was like this really loud hard rock music. And we we're like, oh they're just blasting ACDC. And then I like started singing, like, that's not ACDC. <laughs> but like that's all of the fun. instrumentals were absolutely perfect. Well, the and singer it's, it's, wasn't wasn't nailing it? Doesn't uh, mm, really translate to Thai too well. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, do you think there's still that scene, but just for? Oh yeah, yeah, for, for Thai sure. People? I like, remember reading about this that like this sort of like '80s, '90s like hard rock is really popular here. That's cool. Yeah, pretty psyched about it. Uh, I guess it's better than K-pop. All right, my turn. Yeah, I have another. I, I just thought of another one that I think is. I think. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm doing safe bets. I feel like, but yeah, your turn. 
I feel like we need to talk about something else in order for it to come from there. Um, I want to look up the one that I threw out as an example by accident earlier. Oh, I've got, to, I've got to go to It might be better as a song title. Okay. Cryptic Whisper. Wow. I think that's a song title. So that's a big swing right there. What? Wait, how is this a real thing? You never heard of this. What, Cryptic Whisper? That's a real band. <laughs> what the fuck, formed in 2006? How did you do that? Did you really not this know? Game, this game, this is a French. ridiculous game. This is a game, this is a ridiculous game. It's a fun game, right? Yeah, yeah there it is. They're French. You really didn't know them. Incredible. Formed in 2006, French in Rheem. No, you need to say, you say, I never heard of them before. I've never heard of Cryptic Whisper before. Okay. All right. Hold on. We're going to, I want to hear this. My new favorite band. It might be good. You don't need to show them walking on stage. Can you hear this? Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> I love my favorite in this video is the keyboardist. He's just playing chords like this, but he's headbanging at the same time, so he's like. <laughs> <laughs> they look pretty oh, Incredible, incredible. Definitely French. <laughs> whisper, that's like definitely a thing, a phrase that a non-English speaker would think of. <laughs> Cryptic Whisper. Cryptic Whisper. Oh, a, a really fun podcast that you might want to listen to is called uh, Wind of Change. Okay. Uh, it was done by a reporter for The New Yorker, Patrick Redden Keefe. He's a really good reporter. But it was about scorpions uh, and whether or not the song Wind of Change, this is actually going to reference earlier part of our conversation. Ooh, uh, call back was wind of change was actually written and was a covert cia project to spread democracy behind the iron curtain oh definitely it's a good it's a good podcast so it weaves it weaves in a little bit of like glam metal from from the 80s uh with conspiracy theories with uh the fall of the soviet union etc it's um it's a good listen. It's like nine episodes. Everything you pretty, need. Pretty good. I'll check that pretty out. Good. Yeah. Um, so my entry this round was going to be Blood Moon, but I feel like that's too easy. That sounds like uh, it's probably like a. It doesn't sound very metal. Let's you see. I think so. It has blood in it. They are a U.S band from San Luis Obispo, not far from you. Yeah. Uh, there is like a metal, metalarchives.com. Yeah. Oh, they're still active. 
Ooh. They are progressive black doom metal. Their lyrical themes are space, time, death, and mind. Well, that counts. That has the word metal in there. It's, it's yes. Yeah. That's a yes. Void bun. I feel like Void I'm bound. These are safe picks, though. Like Cryptic Whisper was a big swing. There's, there's a little out there. There's a little out there, and it, it landed. We hit it. I'm going to say you won the game. I'll take that. Little Jordan, little did you know, I'm a cryptic whisper super fan. I don't believe it. Like I can't imagine <laughs> that somebody would fucking just come up with cryptic whisper. What the fuck? You gotta get you got you gotta like cryptic whisper. You gotta get the same vowel sound in the middle of the words. I feel like that's a good. So you have cryptic and then whisper. So each word has that. a e, is what you're saying. No, no, no. The eye. The eye sound. Cryptic whisper. This if you can, if you can achieve that. Now, now, you're just trying to like... <laughs> just trying to reverse engineer your strategy for this game. Because <laughs> you, cause you landed one... I mean, oh, if, you, if you want to go another round, then I think that'll really put it to the test then. Quarantine Dreams. There's, there's currently a band forming called Quarantine Dreams. Not metal. Not definitely not metal. That's like some ambient shit. <laughs> All right, let's do one more round, and then I'm gonna well, we're gonna end the podcast. All right, fine. Okay. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Kind of hate myself for thinking about this. Yes. Suicide. Suicide scream. Okay, got the alliteration. Yeah. That's key. Let's see. Damn. Deathcore. Oh, wait, no, that's Suicide Silence. That's Suicide Silence. Oh, shit. So Suicide Scream is the opposite of Suicide Silence. So it means you're way off. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, silence versus screams. Yeah. Oh, now Kevin's doing a deep dive to make sure he's not. He, he still wants the point. I put, I put, I put quotes around suicide scream. I'm sure he did. Uh, this really opens up the game. All right. Um, what is this? Hold on. Oh, it is. I think it actually is. Uh, it is an album title mm-hmm. by a band called Axes. Well, partial credit. No, the game is like metal band names. <laughs> Didn't say album names. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Dini's guess Raw Onion. That was the name of a record label. Did not count. <laughs> Raw Onion Records. No. Is it a metal record label? I don't think so. Doesn't sound like it. This is this is from a, a metal band though. Metal band called Axes. A X E S. Yeah. Well, that's a cool. That's kind of a cool name. Axes. And their their uh, their album title is Suicide Scream. Okay. All right. Well, if I get nothing, then you can take the point. I guess. I guess that'll be what puts you over the top. Yeah. Don't don't give me any sort of 
blood moon pussy bullshit. Gotta gotta go out on a limb here, Jordan. This is a public forum, Kevin. <laughs> blood moon pussy bullshit, he says. <laughs> It's the, it's the next collaboration. <laughs> Pussy, Pussy bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> They're good. They are good. They are great. Um, it's great, <laughs> great collaboration. Yeah, I mean, I, ha- I just thought of another safe guess. I'm not going to say it. I'll tell you after, though. Okay. Um, um, okay. Let's go with... I kind of want to throw the word bone in. Because bone is pretty cool. Um, let's think. Let's think. Uh, okay. All right. All right. This is a big swing, too. Okay. I'm going to go with the metal band known as Fingerfuck. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a band. Definitely a band. Uh oh, we need to take our temperatures. Oh hell yeah, that's some real quarantine shit. One sec. Yeah, I'm going to look up Fingerfuck the band. Here we go. Yeah, I gotta wrap this up here in a second. Uh, I don't think I'm right. To be honest, uh, there is a, a Facebook page. Oh, really? I didn't. I haven't found it. I have. There's a band called Four Finger Fuck. Got you that one. Classic. Oh, there's a band called Finger Fuck. All right. Well, you, I'll, I'll take the point. Um, it, it appears to be. Okay. Look at those dudes. Yeah. Is that Aaron? They don't look. They don't look it. No, it's Ty. Oh, right. I thought it was the band. Oh, that's just your computer. <laughs> Ooh. Do you get extra points if it's, a, if it's an Arab metal band? There's a few Lebanese metal bands that I uh, came across. I'm going to say that I won this game and I'm undefeated at this, at this game. Even though... It's rigged. What did you say? Crystal Whispers? Cryptic Whispers? Cryptic Whispers. That's got to be like... That's a hell of a point, but you know, you got cocky. (laughs) Well, all I know is that I'm leaving here and starting a band called Suicide Scream so that I can retroactively win. Okay. (laughs) On my ukulele. I'm going to start a new new trend of ukulele metal. I think the world's ready for it. I'm ready for it. It's uh, I'm open to it, and yeah, just take the L. <laughs> okay, of course there is. Ukulele metal is a thing. I don't know why you thought it wasn't. <laughs> a lot of L's in ukulele, Kevin. Just take one. And metal. No, that's true. Just one. Ukulele metal. All right. Well, this was great. It's been real. Thanks for being on the uh, on the pod. Cup and crap. Crap and crap. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Um, thank you. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you. And enjoy the rest of your quarantine. And I hope you're. I will. We'll do. Nice. I'll tell you what. I'll do. We'll just do a little. When I'm on the street, I'll just do a little sort of selfie video, and I can send it to you. And you can. Uh, I don't. Do I need to actually 
tape it with you? No, you can do that. Cool. I'll tack it on the end of this. So coming up, Kevin on the street. Ooh, I'm free. Okay, so it's now been almost a week since we have gotten out of quarantine and we are free. Thailand is bustling. It's crazy, it's busy, a little overwhelming after being so pent up for so long, but here we are. I am taking this guy for a walk. What's up, Frank? Frank, wanna say hi? Good boy. So, we are walking in the city, and it is busy. Let's do a little demonstration. Actually, it's not so busy at the moment, but during rush hour, it's a little crazy around here. And you can see behind me. So this biz this street gets super duper busy during rush hour, like I just said, and it's really hard to walk Frank up and down here. Um, that combined with hot, humid, wearing a mask, it's a little stressful. But freedom is a good thing. Um, we have been to the grocery store a bunch. Um, it's really amazing just to see everything seems to be open. We went out to eat for a little bit, uh, for a couple times, and uh, some of the restaurants were seemed to be uh, starting to get more people. We talked to the owner to one, of one of them, and he was saying that basically shut down during March, April, May, um, and June, and then it started to pick back up. And he said they're starting to get quite busy. A couple nights out of the week, they're starting to get pretty busy again, but. Um, pretty, pretty crazy town. We're pretty excited to be out, eager to explore some of the rest of the city. And uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna leave it here, Mr. Judy, before I, I or Franklin get run over. Uh, yeah, so, peace everyone. Talk to you soon, bye. Spent too much time in California. Now I'm in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania.